Hi there, and thanks for listening to Call of the Week. I'm Ginger Rousey. Our guest today is Dr. Larry Steckel, and no surprise, we're talking about dicamba with Dr. Steckel. Uh, a very important deadline is quickly approaching, um, and that is only applying Ingenia, Extendamax, Fexapan, and now Tavium um, after May 15th. Can you just go over this again? This is a permanent rule, and you're getting a lot of calls about this. People are a little confused about how this is going to work. Yeah, Ginger, that's that's correct. So that's that's been a number of calls on on kind of the cutoff. And some folks are under the impression we don't have a cutoff this year. And when it comes to the newer generation of dicamba products, that's correct. But for the older dicamba products, the Clarities, the Sterling Blues, the Struts, the Banvilles, uh, you can spray those in soybeans and in cotton as a burn down up until, I guess, midnight on May 14th. After that, from May 15th to October 1, then uh, you can only spray the newer formulations out there. And just as you outlined, uh, Ingenia, Extendamax, Fexapan, and Tavian. Okay, and to be clear, it, it doesn't matter if you're spraying it as a burn down or over the top. None of the older formulations of dicamba can be sprayed after this May 15th deadline. That's correct. And, and the thought process is, and actually we showed some data this, this past week on it, is those older formulations have a tendency to get up and move even more so than the newer ones. And applying them later in the May when things start getting warm, you're really really looking at a chance of them moving out of the field and getting on a neighbor. Okay, so only a couple more weeks to, to apply uh, those older formulations of dicamba. And as we just mentioned, there is a new, um, newer formulation of dicamba that has been approved for over-the-top use, and that's Tavium. Talk a little bit about this. Sure, so Tavium is a new premix. It's the first premix uh, that's going to be approved over-the-top of Extend Crops that contains dicamba, and in this case, uh, dual magnum, or esmetolachlor. So it's a, it's a premix. It's going to give residual control of grasses and palmer amaranth, and uh, it's it's here on the market. The dicamba formulation that's in it is, is the same as Extendamax, and it's got the same vapor grip uh, technology that Extendamax has. So it's essentially Extendamax with dual magnum. There is one difference to that label to the others that is, is something you need to consider. So the cutoff to spray it in soybean is V4. The cutoff to spray Extendamax and Ingenia and Fexapan is R1. And typically R1 for group 4 soybeans is V6. So the cutoff for Tavium will probably be 10 days to a week earlier than you would have with uh, Extendamax or Ingenia. So that is something to consider with this, this new premix formulation. And as long as we're, we're on that, let's maybe just refresh everyone because there's not an official hard cutoff date for the Ingenia, the Fexapans, the Extendamaxes, the Taviums, but there are some um, commodity-specific cutoff dates. Uh, yeah, after so many days after planting soybeans and cotton. So, and, and there is some confusion because in states around us, uh, there are cutoff dates. There's some hard cutoff dates, like in Arkansas. Um, so, and I'm so we're, that's folks are calling up saying, "Is it here?" Well, it, it's not here, but there are, as you as you said, uh, specific commodity cutoffs. So, in soybean, 
it is R1, um, or 45 days after planting. For cotton, it is uh, 60 days after planting, and those are considerably earlier than what we had last year. Okay, and if you still need to take the training, because everyone who is applying um, Extendamax, Fexapan, Ingenia, or Naltavium must have the UT Dicamba training, and that is online. Uh, you can go to ag.tennessee.edu if you look under the Quick Links section there on the bottom right-hand corner of the page. You can find the link to that training and also some other Dicamba resources. So if you need a refresher on anything that you watched or heard in the training in January or February, that would be a great place to do it. Or you can just call Dr. Steckel on his cell phone at any hour of the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> Last week, you also, you and Dr. Mueller had several um, posts um, about some dicamba research that you've been doing. And we had a whole series. And if you didn't get to uh, see those posts, I encourage you to go back and look at those. Some really good information. But uh, maybe you just want to quickly summarize for our audience just some of the findings in, in your research about this. Sure. So the several Tennessee soybean growers approached us. Uh, it's been a couple of years ago now. And it was just from their observations in the field that it seemed like at times when it was drifting out of the field, it seemed like it was going against the direction of the wind when they sprayed it. So one of them, actually several of them brought up to the, their, they thought when they saw that happen, it was when they had glyphosate mixed in the tank with Ingenier Extendamax. They didn't see it so much if they were just spraying those straight dicamba products alone. So that's where I asked Tom Mueller uh, over at Knoxville, and he has these Humidome um, set up there where he can do research. And uh, he took um, Extended Max and either put it on, sprayed it on a tray of soil, and he compared that to Extended Max and Roundup and sprayed it on a tray of soil. And he did that outside of the greenhouse uh, away from. Uh, where he was doing all his tests, and then he brought them into the greenhouse. He put these plastic covers over them with these humidomes, and he essentially has these, um, they're like a little vacuum that pulls air over the soil, uh, and he monitored the dicamba coming off that soil for 60 hours after application. Long story short, uh, with Roundup in the tank with Extendamax, he picked up anywhere from three to nine times more dicamba leaving that treated surface over 60 hours, then he did the, tr the, the treatment that was just straight Extendamax. So it did look from that data that Roundup was uh, promoting some volatility from the soil that he could detect. So that was one of the things. And of course, what's driving it, and that's if you look at the label, it was re redone this year by the EPA with an eye on pH and knowing what the pH of your tank mixture was. And uh, so anything below five is considered acidic enough that would make these dicamba products in Genie Extendamax more volatile. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we looked at there was adding Roundup. We, from his research, Roundup was promoting some volatility from these products, some extra volatility. Is it driving pH down? And indeed it is. And so that was something we looked at um, with the soybean growers in the state. We asked them to send water to us that they mix from. And they did a good job for it. We had uh, like 12 or maybe more than 12 samples from wells that were actually used for mixing. And I think one of the things that came to light from that research is we have water pHs all over the board across the state. I had no idea how variable they were. They run from 8.4 to 8.5. 
down to stuff in, below five, four seven to four six, you know, right out of the tap. So those are things you need to consider uh, when you're mixing. If you have some well water that's low pH like that, you definitely need to consider uh, bumping the pH up with these with these Ingenior Extendamax spraying it because you could see some volatility as a result just from the straight water. You did in this research study evaluate some of the pH modifiers. So how did they do as far as stabilizing the pH? That was brought to our attention uh, by BASF um, pretty early. They, they showed us three or four of them that, and then they since then they've added a bunch more. But those first three they they showed us, uh, we went and, and looked at those and they indeed they did as advertised. They raised the pH of the Ingenia, in this case, in Roundup uh, tank mix up above five. So from four six up to about five five. So it, it did raise the pH, all three of them did. They also did it for Extendamax. So very positive on that sport aspect that it does raise the pH. It should improve um, dicamba stay input as a result. As is in all research, it seems like you get more questions every time you do it. So the questions we have now coming in are, okay, we had the pH modifiers, they raised the pH, that's great uh, for volatility, but what about Roundup? Is it still going to work? So uh, there's a reason Roundup drives the pH down. It works better at a low pH as far as controlling weeds. And so if you artificially raise the pH, are you going to lose the weed control from Roundup? And that's an open question we don't know. Um, so that's something that does need to be looked into. Another aspect of the study that was somewhat surprising was uh, the effect of volatility when AMS is added to Ingenian Extendamax as compared to the glyphosate. Yeah, so as you well know from all the dicamba training we've done, that was a real point of emphasis not to put AMS in the tank or any acidifying agent because it drives the pH down and going to make them very volatile. Well, when we started seeing that Roundup Paramax was driving the pH down one to two pH units, and that's a log scale, so that's a lot. Uh, we started scratching our heads. Well, how much is AMS doing it? And lo and behold, it, it's not even, it's like half a point. So it's much less uh, driving those, those uh, tank mixture pHs down compared to Roundup Paramax. Now, there could be some other aspects of ammonium sulfate besides its pH that it's enhancing volatility. And so that's that's something that could could be part of it. But uh, it just kind of goes to show, um, at least from this research, that uh, you know that Roundup Paramax tank mix could be a culprit in why we're seeing some of the drift in the fields the last three years. You're definitely not saying add AMS to the tank mix. Oh, certainly not. Anything, anything that promotes um, volatility or it leaving the field uh, we are definitely against. I think um, uh, AMS doesn't need to be in the tank. And really, our recommendation is from this research we've conducted is really we, we don't encourage Roundup being in the tank either just because of this data. It's lower in the pH, and from that we are seeing more um, volatility uh, being captured from, from the research that Dr. Mueller's done. So both those things we, we are discouraging um, so, you know, you kind of ask, you know, okay, I don't put Roundup in the tank, then what do I do? Well, one of the things you can do is add one of the graminicides like clethodim. It doesn't affect the pH. And really, what's Roundup going in the tank for? Grass control, right? And in a lot of fields now in West Tennessee, Roundup's not controlling a lot of the grass species, whether it's goosegrass or jungle rice or Johnson grass, and we're having to put clethodim in anyway. 
especially when you're around sensitive vegetation, crops, uh, sensitive areas. I think it'd really be uh, helpful to leave Roundup out of the tank and use use a graminicide instead, like, like a clethodim product. All right, well, really good information to know. Anything else or any other questions you've been getting this week? Yeah, it's just a whole plethora of people are nervous going into the spraying season. They are every year, but now with all the all the issues we've had, I've got folks calling up wanting to <laughs> me to come out and look at their fields and do a play by play on how to spray it. It's 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 you know, it's gonna be a call, it's gonna be on the weather, it's gonna be on the crop, it's gonna be on what, what vegetation is around those fields is, is the call. Probably still the most confused aspect of this whole thing is buffers. I keep people say, well, I got somebody's uh, strawberries. I got to leave 220 foot downwind or 110 foot downwind. No. If it's blowing towards those sensitive crops, you don't spray. Buffers don't come into play at all. Buffers come into play around sensitive, uh, potential sensitive species. So basically tree lines or bodies of water. That's where you got to use your 110 foot downwind buffer. If it's somebody's... Liberty Link soybeans or the neighbor's garden and the wind's blowing towards it, you can't spray. Buffers don't come into play at all. And um, we keep emphasizing that, but still, it's, it's hard to grasp, and I understand that. So, uh, But just keep that in mind. Uh, if you got sensitive crop downwind, don't even think about a buffer. Just don't spray. And Larry has a great video kind of walking you through the buffer zone um, requirements. It's also as at um, ag.tennessee.edu. That's the UT Institute of Agriculture homepage. If you look there at the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, it's quick links. You'll see Dicamba information, Dicamba resources. Click on that. Lots of good things there, including that video on buffer zones. Um, the state of Tennessee guidelines for applying dicamba, a link to the dicamba training. So a lot of good information there if you need any refreshers. And also, if you're not listening to this through utcrops.com, I do encourage you to go back and look at Larry's uh, blog post, a series of blog posts from last week. You can find those there at utcrops.com in the news blog. Larry, thanks for being with us. I know you're extremely busy this time of year, so thanks for taking some time to speak with us. And thank you all out there for listening. I'm Ginger Rousey, and we'll talk next week.